passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We want a dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know. Hello and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite, another Wednesday night here at postwrestling.com. I am John Pollock and he is waiting. Hello, Way. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Another night. It's another night, another week in the wrestling cycle. Yeah, always busy. Yes, we have lots to discuss, so we will be going into Dynamite from tonight's show in Albany, New York. A pretty lively crowd, I would say, for the most part, at the, the MVP Arena. Yeah, is that a... It's, a, it's some brand that I've never heard of. I don't think we get that here, MVP. Whatever it is, um, this crowd was, I'm, I'm sure, on it for two hours. Uh, sure. Okay. Yes. This is where we open it up for all the people in Albany who are going to flood us with what MVP is. Yeah, yeah. How far How far is Albany? Would you have made the trek if, if they didn't have a Buffalo show, if they didn't have a Toronto show? No, it's it's... It's beyond the amount that I would want to make. That's a stay over if you're if you're going that far to Albany. That's that's not a go and come back kind of trip in one night. Yeah, that's a six hour drive actually, so it's pretty far. That's hmm. far. But uh, why would you have gone? No, no. I, I mean, I would have done Rochester actually. That that probably is more likely. Rochester is more. It's it's still like that's a it's it's a bit of a trip going mm-hmm. all the all the way to Rochester. Buffalo was simple. Buffalo is an easy drive. Mm-hmm. Not in mm-hmm. traffic, but coming back. I mean, seamless. Yeah. Perfect length for a podcast. Yeah. People just want us in cars from now on after this past week. They said, just get into a car (laughs) and just drive around. Like, I I don't know, just in perpetuity, just get into cars and talk seems to be the format. All this we've invested in this video equipment, trying to get our our internet speeds to an acceptable level so it's not going to crash or buffer on us. It's like, no, nah, just get into a car. I want to hear like your exhaust pipe going off in the background. I want to hear wind. I want to hear cars passing by and uh, and John's seatbelt uh, you know, going against the microphone. That That's the quality that, that we want. So we might be onto something here, Way. Just uh, two guys in cars drinking coffee. How about that for a concept? Oh, yes. Two podcasters. In a car, drinking coffee. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's more so the content. But also, I think I'm, I've am i always been somebody who, like, um, I, I, find my, I, I consider myself to be a pretty good driving conversationalist. In fact, I think I'm a better, like, conversationalist when I'm driving than I am um, just sitting in front of somebody. 
you know, and I think it's because like, I don't have to make eye contact with the person. And so I'm not as self-conscious, you know, I'm staring in in the front of the road and I'm really just kind of paying attention, obviously to the, to the driving, but also just to the words. So for that reason, I, I mean, I think it maybe it makes a bit of a difference in the conversation. Yeah, there isn't that necessary. Uh, you're right. Without the eye contact, it's not as though like there's a million things going on that if you're just kind of sitting there, it doesn't feel out of place. Like you have this long silence. You could be enjoying the view. You could be looking mm-hmm. down. You could be you could do be doing anything. You could just be respectful towards the driver that is uh that is you know focused on on the road. I don't sense you have that same pressure of maintaining a conversation that it can. It can just settle. We don't have to be going nonstop and talking. It is a little bit different. And so maybe that's, you know, that's some of the vibe. So maybe in the future, we'll do another edition of talk in the car if, if, if there's reason for it. But, uh, you know, we should take this time to thank everybody who sent some really nice messages to us about our latest edition of talk, which is available, of course, in the post wrestling cafe, also YouTube memberships where, um, I catch John up on, uh, on my experience, I guess, becoming a new father. And Sean, John, you were able to, I guess, offer a lot of insight from you know your your experience several years ago. Now, it's the conversation that everyone has wanted for for so long. Uh, two guys mm. that talk about wrestling to discuss babies for ninety minutes. So this is the podcast for you. Yeah, on top of it, inside of a car. That 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 is correct. Yeah, you know, a lot of people reaching out to me saying like, "Oh, it takes them back to like the time when they became new fathers," or like some people at, that are about to go through it themselves messaging me as well. So there there aren't like I would say as not nearly as many resources for like men, you know, out there hearing this sort of conversation. So um, I'm, I was glad people got something out of it. Well, it is up. It is a uh, volume six of talk, and we will see when when we revisit uh, talk, which maybe we'll call drive. We'll have a whole new series. We'll have all these different actions. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll basketball. Boat. What could maybe. be the most? In, you know what the most annoying thing uh, would, would be is us like eating together and talking. Eat, yeah, that podcast. I think it would just be us eating. I think that it would just be sounds of us eating. You know, for ninety minutes. Of all the different angles that we have had over this thing one thing that like drove me insane during that press conference was cm punk like all of this as he's eating those, <laughs> those muffins or cupcakes like it drove me insane that all of this first of all it's like i'm watching the AEW version so his voice is already distorted and then he's eating and i've said before it's my greatest pet peeve is someone talking while they are eating it is just just finish your meal i'll wait here for as long as your meal takes but do not mix the two i don't want to hear you when you're you're chomping away at food i just think it is the it's awful i just hate 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 talking and eating at the same time you know it, it honestly doesn't bother me nearly as much but I mean, the whole muffins aspect of it all, I think, has already added to the, to the legend of that press conference, hasn't it? It has. It has. I actually went to their website. They're actually, as Punk noted, they're closed Mondays and Tuesdays. They're actually closed Wednesdays as well. So this really? place must just clean up on weekends. Oh, it just, must be. Yeah. Like weekend's done. We're off for three days. Maybe that's yeah. their weekend plus a it day. Is- yeah, I mean it's it's become almost like a place in pr- professional wrestling lore now. It, it it's got to be a must visit for wrestling fans in Chicago at this point. Yeah, it's going to be a landmark for sure. 
Well, uh, beyond talk, uh, we, we also have uh, some shows coming up over the next couple of days. On Thursday, uh, I'm going to have an interview up on the site with Smash Wrestling's Sebastian Suave. Smash Wrestling is returning. This will be their first show this Sunday in Toronto uh, since SummerSlam 2019 weekend. They have not run Toronto wow. proper in over three years. So we're going to talk to uh, Sebastian about that weekend because for those that don't remember – SummerSlam came here, TakeOver was here, Ring of Honor did a show up here, and then you have all these independents that were running with the hopes of this being almost a mini WrestleMania weekend. And we'll get uh, Sebastian's thoughts and conclusions on what that weekend was, uh, why they took a hiatus after that, where he was during the pandemic. He was actually wrestling overseas. And the whole decision of coming back with Smash Wrestling after this this long break, they had their first show back just a few weeks ago in London, uh, London, Ontario. I always find uh, our discussions really enjoyable because he's a promoter that um, – is not afraid to look at things that didn't work, what lessons he can learn, and he and he's pretty he's a pretty honest um he gives an honest assessment of what has worked, what has not worked for him, and he typically shares it in a pretty pretty open fashion. So that's dropping on Thursday uh in the afternoon that you can check out and it'll be on the main post wrestling feed uh hyping up their shows this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Toronto perspective and the Canadian perspective in, in navigating a pandemic is probably very different from what it might be in, in other places that, you know, are, are a bit more open. Toronto has had some of the most sort of strict, you know, guidelines for, for opening up. So curious to hear what Sebastian Sebastian has to say. And on Thursday night, for members at postwrestlingcafe.com, episode five of She-Hulk will be reviewed by Rich Fan and WH Park. They have been on uh, quite the run. And She-Hulk, what uh, what number of episode uh, is this uh, season going to end up at? Are they going nine? I believe nine. Okay, I think so. Yeah, it's it's a bit longer than that. So yeah, um, it'll be the two of them. I don't exactly know who their guest is at the moment, but um, you. You can be sure um, it, they, they could pick a showrunner from another, you know, may, uh, Emmy Award winning show, I'm sure, perhaps showing up. Who knows who's going to pop up on a star studded edition of MCU later? Yes. All right. It will be a, it will be a packed house on MCU later. And, uh, uh, and maybe WH will give his uh, an update on his, his hotel situation from Chicago. If Everybody. Want, I mean, we all want to hear about that. Don't Has we? Has there been WH, a response yet? Yes. Yeah. WH went off. You thought you thought CM Punk. At the you know most heated pipe bomb of the weekend. I mean, wait, you scroll back on WH Park's timeline or his Instagram, and you could see this promo he cut on this hotel that he stayed at with these extra fees that they uh, put on his bill. The man went off, tagged them even. You don't you don't put hidden fees in there. Um, uh, toiletries were apparently an issue. Uh, they were they were ignoring his requests, which uh, the I'm window sure. apparently was really hard to uh, open. I mean, so. it, it doesn't sound like the most pleasant stay. I mean, his AC seemed to be like all messed up and stuff the, like the that. The fucking safe, the lockbox was not working. You know, the man had a whole list of grievances, and you don't want to get on this man's bad side. It is nice though. He did start it with like, here are the positives, and then he just went to town with the negatives. But uh, there you go. He he put this out for public consumption, so I feel we can comment on it. Oh, of, of course. Yeah. Have you ever left a scathing review uh, uh, at a hotel stay? A scathing review? I, I'm not much of a Yelper, you know, despite, I guess, my profession. I'm not much of an online reviewer. Um, so, no, I can't. I, I never, I've never done it on my Twitter. I've never had a reason to. 
Yeah, neither am I. I don't think I've ever left a bad review anywhere. And I, and, I, and there's plenty of places where I'm sure I was justified in it, but I kind of just shrug my shoulders and be like, yeah, you know what? That's, uh, that's what I get. That's the luck of the draw. That's <laughs> life. It's not fair. Sometimes your luck box isn't, doesn't work. I mean, I chose this hotel and this is what I got. So no one to blame me. but yourself. Yes. I'm, an, I'm a natural blame myself kind of person. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, th- this weekend we're back with Rewind to SmackDown on Saturday, Friday night. Friday night Friday. is when SmackDown and Rampage uh, air. And that's that is when correct. we'll be live. 11 Eastern, always the fun goes down on Friday nights, folks, because we open up the phone lines. Way goes wild on these SmackDown reviews. We're talking about Gunther. We're talking about, uh, man, all the things that make Friday, Friday. And that's mm-hmm. Rampage. Rampage wanna... starring Dan Housen this week. That is correct. Yeah. I want to give a special shout out to our friends at Up Next who had a very busy couple of days. Of course, they reviewed their latest edition of NXT, uh, but also Shot in the Dark went up. And then also they also did their NXT 2.0 year in review, which at this point might be an NXT 2.0 just um, review uh, of its ex- entire existence. Period. This was the closest thing to our Bobby Ewing shower scene that we got at the end of uh, NXT 2.0 on Tuesday, where it was yeah. almost like a... It was all a dream. Perhaps, yeah. This was this this might end up being a bit of a eulogy for NXT 2.0, as of course uh, on Tuesday they teased us with the return of the black and gold logo. Um, but to review the year in NXT 2.0, they brought on Denise Salcedo and also Jason Solomon from Solomon Sounds Off, two of the heavy hitters in our space of professional wrestling, YouTubing, and podcasting. So it was great to hear all those guys on the same roundtable talking about NXT. Yes, uh, Denise Salcedo who. Provided everyone with the, uh, the the proper volume and voice, uh, the voice inflections of an angered CM Punk. So that mm-hmm. those were wondering, man, I wonder if he sounds this mad or if it's just the, the, the audio mix. And then people got to hear it's like, oh, no, he sounds even more angry in his normal voice. Yeah, you could hear the chewing, you know, in full, full frequency uh, tone or yes. whatever, full pitch. Yeah, so go check that out. Um, that's a good. That's a good segue to uh, NXT 2.0. They did their one year anniversary show on Tuesday, and the big item coming out of it, you thought was going to be the return, uh, the unexpected return of Solo Sokoa beating Carmelo Hayes for the North American title, ending his second reign as champion. Uh, which I really like that outcome for for several reasons. Number one, it's to me an excuse that you can have this North American title be just over his shoulder on SmackDown. Like I imagine there's going to be a period of him being back and forth. I think it elevates the title. It elevates Sokoa and it gets one of their titles. Just even, it doesn't even have to be defended on SmackDown. Just that now he's carrying this title. It's a nice reminder. It was a big surprise to go off the air. And then we got the closing video voiced by Shawn Michaels explaining what NXT is and pretty much outlining exactly what it is that here it is. We cultivate young talent and then they move on to raw and SmackDown like in their own words, like that is, this is the system that we have created. Uh, But then ending with a new black and gold logo for NXT and certainly opening up the expectation that I, I don't know if you're going to see a radical difference, but I think much more kind of a melding of the two separate eras of NXT that most are familiar with of the last year with kind of the going back to this black and gold where you're, you're going to see elements of, of the past kind of intertwined with sort of this much different NXT 2.0 that we saw over the last year. 
certainly. Yeah, I think it's probably, you know, like, let, let's remember, you know, black and gold, I think we all have very fond memories of, but there were problems with that, too. And the problems mainly being, I think, um, a, a difficult transition between what that vision was to what the main roster was. Um and you can argue a key reason of that is now out of the equation as well. Like this is a yeah. much more this is the most streamlined you're going to get because it's not man, I hope that this character that works in NXT is going to be to the vision of the main roster. Like you have a much more streamlined process now that like I don't have those concerns of a Carmelo Hayes going up to the main roster and man, is this guy going to make it? Is he not at the very least this guy's going to be given every opportunity when he gets there, and it's not going to be a an immediate just dismissal based on his height or some mm-hmm. some issue out of his control that he, he can't even out of, get out of the gate, and he's given a a red helmet uh, to walk out on Raw and lose to Jeff Hardy in seconds with. But I think one of the main things uh, we saw, you know, change with 2.0 is sort of like an insistence on um, a younger talent and. Uh, inexperienced talent talent that hadn't come from the independents and 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 with very you know like lesser lesser known names um heading into the company than you know like an roh talent for instance so i you wonder if like that'll be maintained if there's still going to be that insistence on like the next in line you know talents um and their transitions up or if they're going all the way back and maybe hunting, you know, for um, talents that are from the independents. Uh, right now, of course, they have the NXT UK guys coming in, making a big chunk of the roster, build it, bring a lot of experience in. Um, so, well, I, I'm very curious to see what, what sort of changes and exactly how much from the black and gold sort of ethos, you know, makes its way back. But um, it's exciting. It is. And yeah, like what this... Because it's it's not like you can just snap your fingers and suddenly wear the NXT of two years ago because like you, you don't have that top to bottom NXT roster that you did of two years ago. Um, you can go out and you can sign guys. There's there's a lot less available out there, but there 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 are rising talents that, that you can certainly sign. But again, it comes down to like there are like what happens to your like a Tiffany Stratton, for instance, or, you know, go over all of these different acts that you've introduced. If you want to fill this show up with more experienced talent, well, then we're back to that initial problem that this became two separate NXTs. There was the developmental brand, and then there was your your hard work rate independent competition Mm -hmm. that just gave you satisfying matches of talent that were veterans at that point that had been wrestling for 10 years. And that's why I don't see just this automatic um it's gigantic change but more so morph trying to morph the two to coexist that this is elements of the past but still focusing on a lot of this younger talent and and inexperienced talent because this this is not just a standalone brand this is let's get talent up and running and boom it's graduation class and onto raw or smackdown yeah without a 2.0 i don't know if somebody like a solo sokoa would have you know found themselves in the position that they 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 are currently in or uh, Braun Breaker, you know, getting the type of de- uh, opportunities and development that he's had over the past month, f- past year. Same with the Tiffany Stratton. So I, I imagine those are elements of like the new 2.0 that they probably want to retain that have that they would consider successful. You know, the Creed brothers, like guys like that being put into the spotlight of the show and being treated as like, you know, the stars of the show versus, you know, if like, I don't know if a Red Dragon were still down there. Um I don't exactly know if, you know, we'd be talking about the Creed Brothers so much. So I imagine like 
there's still going to be room for like I don't know maybe the independent star making their way in. But I also wonder if like the there's more of a direct line to the main roster now for let's say you know talent that have TV experience, maybe talents jumping over from AEW. Would in the past I could see you know people being brought into the NXT system for I don't know a year of seasoning or maybe like more than that in some some cases. Now I could see a direct transition from somebody being on AEW TV to WWE TV. Yeah, and you also have the option of you can take the odd man or woman off the main roster and and send them down there to work a six week mm-hmm. program like that. To me, is very beneficial for some of these talents. That I mean, we're looking at. I mean that um, that vignette they ran for the, uh, uh, the 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 female surfer, so Ruka Roka something. I'm I'm blanking on the name, but I mean, there's somebody that's had I think six matches in her entire career, and she's been thrown onto television and you know some people are going to click but i look at someone like lash legend and just like this is one of the best athletes this company has ever signed and she's been thrown out there into the deep end and and we've seen her like struggle on a significant level and i do question like is that going to be a difficult first impression to break among fans if you know two or three down years down the road she improves dramatically but there's this year that i mean she has just been in the deep end and has not responded well. You are going to have those examples too of talent that are thrown out there way too early and maybe finding a bit of a middle ground of, you know, instead of just throwing everything at the wall and hopefully half of them stick, looking at ones that, okay, we can give this person more time at live events and not necessarily rush them to television because we have a lot invested in, in a number of these talents. Yeah, yeah. I think more of a mix of, you know, your veterans plus the occasional appearance from somebody who's brand new at this, maybe starting them off with what they do best. And that's, you know, maybe uh, it's speaking on the microphone and lessening their in-ring time, hiding them in tag teams. That'll probably ultimately prove to be a more effective use of, you know, um, promoting new talents and giving them that sort of experience. But, I, I, I you know, just even the changing of the colors I think shows at this point like a real awareness and a willingness to listen to what the audience likes. Um, ultimately, like if if what the rainbow colors represented something like a roster that I think it was more favorable to like a an internet audience, we we wouldn't be you know so down on it. But it's more so I think the idea that you know we'll be going back to what you guys used to love about this um, that. I don't know. That seems that that they seem to want to you know bring back. So, I yeah, I, I'm very curious to, to see what else besides the colors are changing about this new NXT. In terms of numbers for NXT on Tuesday, it was an interesting number. They did 728,000 viewers, 14th for the night on cable, and a .15 in 18 to 49. The viewership uh, was not only the highest of the year, it was their highest going back to last year's Halloween Havoc in October, but a huge function of that was the 50-plus audience that was... This was one of the largest 50-plus numbers I can recall for NXT. There's some weeks that I don't have complete info for, but I would imagine this is probably the biggest 50-plus rating they have done. In the, it, You'd have to go back to the black and gold era to find a number uh, above that. So that, that certainly did swell the audience because in 18 to 49, this told an interesting story. Overall, they were actually down 4% this week in the demo. Men in the key demo were up 14%. Women in the demo down 38%. So quite the, um, 
quite the difference in terms of uh, the show appealing to uh, men and not as much women in that in that key demo. 18 to 34 was down 17 percent. Men 12 to 34 were down 26 percent. But again, the overall viewership was up, but that was uh, an older audience that pushed this up. So it looked like um, 50 plus. They were ready to celebrate on Tuesday night. It's been a year of NXT 2.0. Who thought they would make it to a year? It's time to celebrate. I guess so. Something must have resonated because, I mean, you know, the Solo Sokoa thing was a surprise, of course. The, the whole black and gold thing, I don't think anybody, like nobody would have known about it. So um, I'm very curious to see if like that momentum continues. I feel like we're talking more about NXT 2.0 right now than, you know, we have in quite some time. I think next week. Off and, last and, yeah. And next week's show is a taped show. They are mm-hmm. actually taping it today. And yeah, I, I do feel like this is going to create that curiosity at the NXT level um, that we've certainly seen on Raw um, t- since the changeover. I think now you're going to see some of that curiosity with, with NXT that this, just a logo is going to generate that that interest from people to be looking at a- any particular changes over the over the next month or so from this brand. Plus, you know, as you mentioned, somebody like Solo Sokoa, um, I would assume maybe continuing to do double duty between SmackDown and NXT 2.0. Uh, it's a very unique path, I would say, for um, an X- NXT talent to make their debut in a prime spot on the main roster, then going back to NXT to win their first singles championship, and then becoming potentially, you know, one of the lead faces of NXT 2.0 concurrently while he's, you know, being becoming a member of a very relevant stable on the main roster. So it's 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 a level of synergy we're not see- we haven't seen in quite some time between the two brands. And this seems to make it inevitable that we will get a, a Sami Zayn accompanying Solo Sokoa back to NXT for one night. Come Interesting. On. Okay. Hmm. I mean, I think that guy's just going to be like when we look- put him on everything, put him on level up um, <laughs> main event, you know, just put just more Sami Zayn is, is a very good thing. Uh, over to Raw from Monday. So this was their first night against Monday Night Football, and they really got hurt going against football. There was also the Emmy Awards happening on Monday. Did you do any catch-up on, on the Emmy Awards this year, Way? I have not, but I heard Succession did really well. Okay, yes. What was the line that um, uh, oh, that uh, so Brian Cox gave about uh, billions? No, some, what did he say? He said it, uh, billions is past its best before date. Taking a big shot at, at billions. Yeah. Ouch! So, man, was he eating a muffin when he said that? No, I don't know, but maybe, uh, maybe that's they're going to be comparing demos as well. Uh, maybe. Okay. So Raw did uh, one one million seven hundred and ten thousand viewers. They fell seventeen percent from last week. Fell twenty four percent in eighteen to forty nine. It was huge losses from last year. I mean. Uh, uh, Women 18 to 49, down 29%. 18 to 34, down 26%. Uh, adults 35 to 49, down 24%. Uh, young men 12 to 34, down 34.5% from last week. So uh, football took a big chunk out of Raw. Um, they fell uh, 14.5% as the show went on. The the big story here was just the, the amount that football took out of Raw. And I, I can't say like it's it's stunning. Like you're looking at Raw, they they're riding this momentum. But what has been the difference over these last couple of uh, months is that has gotten them these viewers. To me, it's lapsed fans coming back. That Raw is not this weekly um, habit that they have been having for the past number of years. They've come back, but they have other interests. And and when come football season, like it's 
it is more of this is where we come up with like the term like casual fan in that their Monday night is not determined by Raw being on once football season occurs. So I think once you're you're getting to the, these last couple of weeks, they're hitting two million viewers. What's getting them up to that number? It's probably, you know, some fans that are, you know, coming back that have not been watching the show for a long time. And it's it's not enough that they're curbing habits uh, once they have football back. Hmm. It's gonna That's my to- theory. I mean, probably makes sense. Yeah. Um, Or they just had no interest in seeing Dominic fighting Edge. They just do not want to see this uh, this Dominic character at all become a man. I I can't imagine anybody feeling that way. Hottest story in the company right now. Well, there you have it. Uh, Those are the raw numbers. And uh, all of your news can be found up at postwrestling.com. We've got uh, all the latest news up there. Did you uh, follow all the PWI 500 discussion today? It's 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 become. Some. I love it. I I think it's amazing that every year it's just you just sit back and there are there are such passionate responses to a list. It it it's obviously I think been a bigger topic of debate ever since AEW came around and yeah for some reason you know people are latching onto everything including this sort of list as um, reasons to argue with people who like a different product. I will say this, like in terms of like taking a concept from like PWI that has really like defined that that brand, like the PWI 500, like that has become like the the calling card of what you associate with that magazine. And they have mm-hmm. kept that list relevant every single year. It means so much to, to a, I'm not going to say every wrestler, but a, a sizable portion of them when you see their reactions either pro or negative towards their their ranking in this PWI 500 it means a lot to them and i mean they're in the history of lists no one has ever dropped a list where the public has responded in in uniformity nailed it <laughs> that's that's my 500 in uh, that exact order I, yeah. it's just People are going to get passionate about it, and that's part of the fuel that you know gets behind um, these things. But it is just remarkable to look at how many you know wrestlers take this you know really seriously, like they're ranking in in a list that very much like treats that like win losses are a big part of it. But it's mm-hmm. it's certainly some that take it as a very serious reflection of uh, of their their standing of just next to a number and how the public views their standing in an industry. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like completely like um, something that they don't deserve to be proud of. You know, I think just like a, a winning, winning a world championship. Yes, it is scripted. Yes, we know that, you know, you're being put in this position and you're not necessarily somebody who is, you know, legitimately winning a contest to win it. But still, you you have to be competent enough at your job to be even put into that position. Just like, you know, in the PWI, you have to be competent enough to be consistently booked to win all the time. I think it, it represents some level of accomplishment. But arguing between number one to like number five um I mean, that's just silly, you know, I I think and I think it has to be taken place between most people who don't even recognize the nature of how this list is put together. Yeah, to me, my favorite was always Joe Rules, who was uh, 500 one year. Who's that? Rules. Guy who was that that was his claim to fame. He was 500 one year. Okay, I'd be quite proud. Yeah, Yeah, sure. All right, let's get into dynamite. Uh, We we have uh, we have discussed enough and we're not even inside of a car, but we uh, have a lot to discuss from Albany, New York tonight where. Oh, I have one more thing I want to promote because uh, Friday it's uh, the CMLL 
anniversary card, uh, their 89th anniversary, the longest standing pro wrestling promotion. And the Cubs fan from Lucha Blog is going to be doing uh, coverage on the site of the anniversary card. So look out for that on Friday night. Now we get to Dynamite, the MVP arena. And there were several interesting announcements that they made throughout the show uh, that I thought I'd cover at the beginning. So they're going back to Chicago, the the starved wrestling capital of the world, Chicago, um, which is their annual stop on Thanksgiving Eve. It's it's a multi-traditional uh, stop throughout the year for different <laughs> holidays. Uh, but they will be there November 23rd at the Trust Arena. And then they announced their debut in Seattle for January the 4th. And the graphic that they did put up, I mean, it's Seattle. Brian Danielson is there as, you know, the main person. And you would assume he will be on that card, which would confirm he cannot be in the Tokyo Dome on the same day. Okay. Right. I was wondering where you were going. I mean, I had personally wondered how how strong those rumors even were at this point. You know, we, we haven't seen really any sort of association from Brian um, with New Japan beyond Forbidden Door or, or beyond eight, not even Forbidden Door, I should say. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm, I'm if, sure if you're just looking wondering. at, you know, potential, you know, one offs for him to mm-hmm. go to the Wrestle Kingdom would have been one on your short list. And I think this right. would probably eliminate that. And it makes it tough for even with this relationship of what talent you would want to give up even for one week uh, to go do Wrestle Kingdom. Like Tony Khan has mentioned that it's difficult with Wrestle Kingdom being on a Wednesday uh, next year. You know, you would you would certainly look at that being a possible target for Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. But, you know, what um, what what the status of Kenny Omega will be as well. Like that would be another question. They have a big enough roster that I don't think, you know, like, like if an FTR were to be sent there as current IWGP champions, I don't think they'd necessarily be missed for one week. Um, and, and yeah, if Kenny is back in time, I, that, that could be a possible, like even a box, like we haven't had any of those guys tonight and it didn't feel like any lesser of a show. Yeah. And, and that's also worth mentioning, uh, PW insider and fightful select. They had reported that, uh, Pat Buck was back, uh, backstage. One today. of the bucks are back in Albany. You're, you're right. One buck <laughs> is back. The third buck in Pat. Uh, okay. so he was back, uh, wrestling reporting that Brandon Cutler, um, he is not, he's been cleared of any wrongdoing. And then the, the other, uh, it, it's kind of where in the world is blank. So we have Kenny Omega, who is in Japan and was appearing at the Sega offices with Sonic. Oh, yes. Max is right after I was explaining to you the uh, the fandom that has uh, overcome my son when it comes to Sonic. So you have uh, Kenny Omega. Yoshi is next. Could be, but very, very possible. Um, so he is over there. Christopher Daniels is over there because he's doing the uh, the All Japan uh, 50th anniversary card at Budokan Hall coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, so he is over there as well. Michael Nakazawa was in a photo uh, with Kenny Omega, who was catching up with uh, Kota Ibushi as well. It's so nice to see former lovers hanging out again. All those guys. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I think they're on a lot of video game duty, too. What is it? Some sort of Tokyo gaming convention? Yeah, it's 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 unknown if if Omega is there for that, but that is going on um, with, with AEW being uh, represented. But um, yeah, that show that remains to be determined, and uh, and no social media updates from uh, the other parties. Uh, the Young Bucks have put being the elite on hiatus, and yes. CM Punk is recovering from surgery, which is going to be a long recovery. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that, those are our status <laughs> updates. But as we know at the moment, yeah. 
The announcers for tonight, Excalibur, Taz, and Tony Schiavone for the second week in a row. No Jim Ross on Dynamite. Yeah. Uh, do we know if he's on Rampage? Uh, we can probably find out. I'll look a, that up. Okay. You look it up. I, I would assume he's uh, he is out for Rampage. Um, yeah. Um, and I don't know. We, we can continue to speculate, I suppose. But um, I... I do wonder. I do wonder how much of his comments, you know, publicly affected this. I will say personally, I think it is very clear from the performances on air who are who what your top commentators are. And at this point, um Jim Ross was out for Rampage. Okay. So So, so uh, it, it looks to be like this was the second week in a row that you would think that they are, you know, mm-hmm. if this is you know the 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 latest like push for rampage and it seems to be keeping jim ross on on rampage is one of their their decisions um mm-hmm. so there you have it the show immediately starts with john moxley and sammy guevara in the semifinal of the tournament of champions uh, no time mellow out with sammy guevara and we have regal on commentary their last singles match january the 15th of 2020 so this is only wow, that long ago. Only their <laughs> second singles match um, ever, um, not just in AEW. But uh, early on, Guevara hits a uh, Tope Con Hero and then uh, stomps Moxley, sending him into the steps. And they fight on the floor throughout the uh, the picture-in-picture break. Uh, Moxley bites Guevara and butterfly suplexes him off the turnbuckle. He's working for a Kimura. And then Guevara postures up, applying a Boston Crab. Uh, from there, goes for a double springboard cutter. Moxley kicks out, and the GTH is countered with the Bulldog Choke. He then elbows Guevara and goes for a Lariat and is met with a standing Spanish fly by Guevara, not Moxley. And from there, Moxley uh, flips Guevara onto his chest, and Ty Mello and a Jay run down. Jay is distracting referee Bryce Remsburg as Ty kicks Moxley low, leading to a near fall uh, due to an inside cradle from Guevara. Moxley kicks out, and then it's Guevara missing with the Senton Atomico. They get into one more striking battle, uh, lands a knee on Moxley, and the GTH is countered into the Death Rider, and Moxley wins in 13 minutes and 26 seconds to go to the finals. I thought it was an excellent match, excellent opener. You know, like I think st- stylistically, these two seem kind of like diametrically opposed, and for that reason, I think they combine together just so wonderfully. You know, you have Sammy just it, this incredible, breathtaking high flyer. You can argue maybe you know, um, almost doing too much at times. You know, uh, uh, like um, le- leaving his feet, but then you have Moxley just like this very intense brawler, always grounding him and just, um, you know both of them together like i think incredibly intense in ring and uh delivered a great pace of match and and a wonderful opener here yeah i I am finding it a little bit overkill on the the distraction spots with with the referee like i i can take like one big distraction and this would have been the one but then you're 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 doing it later in the show as well in, in the women's match it just seems to me like it's it's an easy go to and it just gets really overdone to me um at, at times, but in this one, like if, if you were going to do it once on the show, you're going to do it in the bigger match to lead to that, that near fall, which the audience did pop for the near fall. So, I mean, it did accomplish its goal, but it, it's also something I, I think they could sometimes pace out a bit better between their shows. Yeah. Hard to like 
argue, I think, what the threshold is for like that sort of thing. I, I, I tend to feel like it's kind of different between every single viewer. But, um, if you have a heel, if you have a manager for that heel and you kind of want to protect them in a way, or at least protect, you know, somebody winning or even somebody losing, it seems to be like a relatively easy device. Excalibur goes to break, stating that MJF is demanding a microphone. So when they come back, MJF enters, he insults Albany, telling them to be quiet. And you might have missed it, but there was a line that Excalibur got in here that Moxley has gone to the showers after his match. So mm-hmm. in he is not able to listen to this and more importantly, to respond to this because there were some big lines here that I really like the fact when they go to that level and because it, it It is a bit nitpicky, I find, if you're – why is Moxie not storming the ring? But I think it's also a fair assessment that you can have as a viewer of, like, a John Moxley type of character would not just be sitting in the back and watching this happen. So they gave you a reason that he would not be storming the ring to attack this guy. I like it. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about it, but you're right. Like, it's it's a good bit of attention to detail. MJF says he has not slept in seven days since the John Moxley segment. That is terribly unhealthy. You should certainly yeah. sleep a couple times a week for sure. Mm-hmm. He says that Moxley, he looked into his eyes. He has no fear and that pisses MJF off. And he is not the same kid when they crossed paths the last time, which was all out 2020 when they had their, their title match and Moxley won. He, he was, is not, he pointed out the podium and the whole vote for MJF thing, which was that's that angle back. Then. Yes. Yes. He too is trying to forget 2020 as, as most people are. He says that, uh, he is not playing a character. Whereas John is, he's a joke. And I read your book, John, and he cites Moxley's childhood growing up uneducated, poor and white trash from the sticks just like you people from albany and how john got bullied and he says that you are still that scared little boy from the slums of cincinnati but now you're old enough to drown your trauma in alcohol like a worthless drunk and then he singles out a guy in the front row calling him fat boy and said that yes john i mean i don't know who specifically he was pointing at but like the person who responded to the taunt did not look fat to me, <laughs> you know. He looked in very good shape. Yes, this was, uh, you know, the 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 front row has really got called upon with these insults over the last few weeks between Punk and now MJF. Yeah, and usually over like their weight. And again, I I don't, I mean, I don't, I wonder if these people are even like considered overweight. And even so, what if even if they were, then what? But like, it's we just we just seem to be as you know defaulting to that line. He says that John got sober and that did take intestinal fortitude to beat that disease. But my brain is more dangerous than your disease and bad things happen when people get in my way. So, John, go take your vacation, skip Arthur Ashe and don't win my title. And he then references Moxley's return promo he cut after he uh, returned earlier this year and mentioning the demon that circles over his head, telling him that he doesn't deserve what he has and how it will cost him everything. And if he doesn't tread lightly, he's going to learn that MJF is that demon. And this is a demon you can't slay. And from there, he transitions to the men that helped him get this chip at all out, a stable on retainer led by his best friend who he has known since he is 19 years old, referring to Stokely Hathaway and the firm. But before we get to uh, chapter two of this segment, uh, the MJF promo way. 
I thought it was excellent. You know, it's right now. I mean, what what else do you expect, right? But I think what what is um, for me impressive about this is that they have to to pivot from you know MJF's program with Punk to MJF's program with John Moxley, and I I haven't missed CM Punk. You know, um, I think Moxley, you can argue, has, I mean, is not just a great substitute, but I think to me, like maybe even a better program for MJF. It's fresher. You know, the match is going to be better. Uh, there's just a great deal of, I think, positive sentiment surrounding John Moxley right now. And MJF calling him inauthentic is about the best heel sort of like line you can have because Moxley is arguably the most authentic person on the entire roster and the insinuation that he's playing any sort of character is like brilliant heel sort of like, you know, um, disillusion. Um, he also does a lot of research for these promos, you know, between reading his book and, uh, going back and, and, you know, listening to that promo that he cut uh, upon coming back. He, you could tell he's a guy who's very much a student and much like in the punk feud looks up a lot of, I think, old material. Um, this is the use. Conor McGregor playbook like that. He would he would research all these mm-hmm. obscure details or he'd uh, he, he'd wear like clothing that would have a reference to something so obscure. But like he would research his opponents and then have all this ammunition. And mm-hmm. I, I thought of that listening to, to this as well, that, yeah, he's he's demonstrated this in in other promos. So uh, well worth the, the Kindle buy for MJF. Great advertising for the book. Yes. That's true. Yeah, people are going to see. Is it was he lying? Um, I, I thought I thought it was a great promo. The question would be: Certainly, you're going in this direction. Uh, does this necessarily need to be for the title? Like you do have the guy with the chip. Um, I, I don't know if this necessarily telegraphs Moxley winning this this tournament next week. You could. I don't think there's going to be an outcry if Moxley is your champion. Uh, but I, I think also you can you could go with this program, and this is just a great grudge program as Danielson could. Do something with the title for the next few months. MJF is waiting in the wings because this is a program that to me stands on its own already. And we've only had two segments of it from last week and this week. I think the latter is probably the better option. You know, I agree. I agree. Like you've escalated this feud now with this type of promo high enough that um, it's become more personal than, you know, just even a battle for the championship. Um, I don't expect, you know, you to cash in on MJF with that chip and uh, a Brian match is so soon. I, I think you could delay it, it, it you know, either till full gear or even maybe beyond possibly. Yeah. But more importantly, I want this, this man, John Moxley to finally get his vacation. Um, so <laughs> I don't, I don't anticipate him sticking around with the championship too long. So it could be, um, everyone cheers as a uh, John Moxley gets, uh, yeah, an injury angle at the end of this. I uh, you know, yeah, if it comes with the, I don't know. What, what does he like to do on vacation? What, what was he supposed to, where was he going? I, I don't know where they were going. I, I don't know. Um, okay, whatever it is, I hope he enjoys his time off. He deserves it. So the next part of this is uh, Stokely Hathaway, and uh, as they're being called, The Firm, which are uh, The Gun Club, W. Morrissey, Ethan Page, and Lee Moriarty uh, coming out with Stokely Hathaway. And MJF exits the ring, and Hathaway carries this whole segment. He says, it's not Sunday, but you're going to hear some gospel. And he explains that everything was a hustle and a con since double or nothing, that this was the guy kind of pulling the strings with his best friend, MJF. And all right, he was he was going to go fishing. So (laughs) there you have it for six weeks. Sure. Why not? That's a lot of fishing. There are plenty of fish. I would be done after three days of like, okay, I get it. 
This is fun and relaxing, <laughs> but I can't do this for six weeks. There's no way. Hmm. Well, With a baby? How much fishing are you going to do? I don't know. Wait, how much I fishing have you done in the last month? Uh, a grand total of zero. I've caught no fish in the past, past six years, I should say. Okay. He convinced MJF not to quit AEW and beca- because that would give the people what they want. So he came up with the MJF support system while creating opportunities for all of these others that he had been recruiting. And tonight is the rare occasion that you will see all of us together because when MJF doesn't need, need them, we will go our separate ways. I am not a publicist. I am not a manager and I'm not an assistant. I am a friend with a network to make anything happen and mentions kind of like infiltrating all these different groups in AEW, building up Intel on all of them and obtaining gossip because the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice and the juicier the gossip, the more power I have and mentions how blackmail turns him on. Interesting. Yes, it's a good line, double entendre. And then he goes, he goes one by one, explaining what each of these individuals wants that he has recruited. Uh, W. Morrissey was the most vague. He just he wants whatever he wants. Was pretty much how it was left. It's like he just he wants stuff. So they called him Morrissey, or Stokely at least called him Morrissey. He also called him Big Bill. Which I'm fine I, with Big Bill over yeah, W. Morrissey. I'm fine with Big Bill. So, yes, we, we've been over this one. Uh, he just gives uh, Big Bill a hug and says that he can have anything he wants. Uh, Lee Moriarty, who has dyed his hair green, it's his time to become a star and bring honor back to the ROH Pure Championship. The guns, get this, okay? They are not boys. They are men that do not walk in the shadow of their father. Yeah. So Stokely is there, Rhea Ripley. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And they are going to become tag team champions, and they will be taken seriously. And the last one is Ethan Page, who I would say got the the best response of, of everybody when he was introduced. And he has known Stokely for over 10 years. He wants to represent Canada and win the All-Atlantic Championship. Forget the Maple Leafs getting a Stanley Cup. This is what has starved this country way for all of these years. The All-Atlantic Championship and Hamilton's own is going to secure this championship. And I think that he's going to try to do this in Toronto. That would be my guess. Ooh, okay. That's a great call. Yeah. I mean, listen, we our country needs it right now. We need a champion. We need, we need this All-Atlantic Championship. And Stokely warns that... When they are around, you run with us or you run from us. Interesting um, the way he kind of put this stable. So they are a stable, but they're also um, more of a loose affiliation. You know, it's it, it, it's it's a stable that certainly you look at it and it has the the concern that. Yeah, it's like you have this link to this big star. But the big star is not going to be around. He is going to be, you know, the odd time he will be associated. Um, they're, they're the Avengers, kind of. You know, you, you have membership, but you're not going to see them together unless it's a special occasion. If the, if the Avengers were going for, like, mid-tier titles as well. Right. Sure. So, 
Um, okay. Yeah, but I, I thought Stokely was great in this segment. I think he is um, a huge part. He he is the biggest part of of this whole act, and it's a it's an odd assortment of sort of these random parts on the AEW roster. But it's it's really going to come down to if they can like gel as a group, if they get consistent time on television, and. And they and they get over, obviously. I don't find them too odd of an assortment at all. Like, I think they have all the makings of, like, you know, all your ingredients for a successful stable and a tag team and a technical guy and a big guy and a guy who could speak. So um, I almost, like, wonder if we should be – we'll be seeing them more often than I think what, what they sort of put here, um, what they conveyed here. Like I could see this group, if it's successful, being an, another, you know, group that you would do with a blood and guts with, for instance. Um, but it sounds like it's going to be a bit more different and maybe a bit more looser than that. So, but is Stokely sort of like the, like will Stokely be with every single person? I think so. Yeah, I think he'll yeah, be. I think so too. He'll be the default like leader of the group. Mm-hmm. Jungle Boy against Jay Lethal. This was set up earlier with Jungle Boy. Uh, issuing an open contract and it was answered by lethal. So jungle boy walks down. He looks at the metal part of the stage that he was choke slammed on. And early on, Sutton Singh blocks a dive by jungle boy. So jungle boy takes a backbreaker on the top turnbuckle and his back is taped up. So he would sell his back throughout the match. Um, his back gives out on a suplex attempt and the lethal injection, it's sidestep. He lands a lariat and brainbuster for a two count and at one point teases the kill switch, but it's avoided and lethal hits the lethal combination. Uh, at the end here, we have uh, Jungle Boy applying the snare trap and as he pulls him to the center, Sanjay Dutt gets onto the apron. So Jungle Boy goes after him. It leads to a roll up and lethal tries to figure four and it's countered. Jungle Boy goes back to the snap, uh, the snare trap and after multiple strikes to the neck, applies the hold again and wins in 1036. I thought a very good match. You know, at this point, I think we're just slowly rebuilding Jungle Boy en route to the Luchasaurus feud. Um, I'm not noticing that much difference sort of like in the intensity or, or character just yet. So um, I think coming out of the Christian program, I was hoping to see some more sustained change, but it almost feels like they're starting back from zero in a way uh, in trying to rebuild the program to, you know, um, how much aggression do you want to see? Do you want to see Jungle Boy trying to run people over with cars or do you want it? I want to see him grow the beard and uh, no, I don't want to see him grow a beard. I don't know, actually. And I think that's something that, you know, is going to continue to be a struggle for him. Um, I get the sense that, you know, throughout the better part of like a, a year now, he's been trying to find that next level, whether it be in the promo or trying to grow a beard or like something that kind of break him up over to like the main event status or low main event and um maybe that's the wrong you know um sort of like direction maybe he should be embracing the boyness of his look um and i don't know just just keep going uh, as a this sort of like youthful looking baby face what if the license is coming due on tarzan boy and instead of renewing it uh, Tony licenses Andrew WK. What song? I mean, is is there a grand distinction of Andrew WK songs that one would be superior over the other? He comes out to party hard. Okay. Why? 
this What's the this, connection? This further edge. That's all. Uh, that's all I'm going for. You can you can pick your group. <laughs> you chose Andrew. Why did you choose Andrew WK? It came to my head. <laughs> uh, we we could talk. Okay, Rob Zombie way. He comes out to Rob Zombie. <laughs> um, maybe it would make a slight difference. Sure, but I mean, I, would you agree, John? You know, I, I'm still looking for that like next level in personality that's coming from the guy, and uh, you know, they've been working at it. I think. Yeah, I I think that they're. Like I, I don't see Jungle Boy as kind of being lost or anything like that. It's, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, he is in the midst, I think, of this transition. And there's been weeks where he, he's looked great, and then there's others. And I'm talking on the character side, and others where it just feels like it's, it's not that natural progression. And how is this program going to be built with Luchasaurus? You know, a character who hasn't spoken, and especially in this heel incarnation, hasn't spoken at all. Is he going to start speaking more for himself? Is he going to get a different mouthpiece? Um, can Christian be active at all? Like as a, just a primary speaking role? Can he travel even with whatever he's got? I mean, if, if he's out for like months and months and months, um, like you always could bring him back. It's just, that's, you know, a really long wait until he's, he's ready to come back. I don't know if there's a great answer to it. It's like, if it's so long away, I think it's going to be a real struggle to, really make this this loss feel important months down the road um and if they can kind of keep this going for for that long that it makes a whole lot of sense for jungle boy to go back to christian if we're talking next year that is a realistic timetable to to do it as opposed to had he just beaten christian at at the pay-per-view and then he's off to then he's off to to feud with luchasaurus that becomes the focus Mm hmm Hook and Action Bronson, a private training video leaked on TBS. And we had Action Bronson. You're looking at New York City right here. They're coming to whoop some ass. Be ready next week. Matt Menard and Angela Parker. Dude, I I am so looking forward to this. Action Bronson, uh, he might get my rookie of the year vote. He, <laughs> I'm so into this, this, this pairing. I think it's great. I've never seen a celebrity like look like such a natural fit in the pro wrestling world. I think so much of it comes from like, again, the fact that like in the rap world, you kind of have to be a professional wrestling character. Anyway, you have to be incredibly charismatic, which this guy is his level of trash talk that you just saw here. seems just like a natural fit for a professional wrestling tag team. He comes across like a, like a, like a guy who's been doing this for years and he and hook like, again, look very legit together. They're sort of like a meaner, like more authentic, like, I don't know, credible, less comedic version of uh, Alpha Academy. Don't you yeah. see it? Yeah, there's, there is certainly You have the technical parallels. suplexing dude, and then you have like the big round guy who, you know, lifts people. Um, except these two, you take far more seriously. God, those are, those are two tag teams, like separated at birth and raised yeah. in very different worlds. And this it. is what, this is the end result after 25 They years. are an alternate reality Alpha Academy. God, I'm, I'm imagining like Hook and Otis now and Chad Gable and Action Bronson as if you just swapped. I'd watch that match. Yeah. Okay. And this is going to be on next week's Rampage show. So the note, um, Rampage will be two hours next week for the Grand Slam edition. So, so ten to twelve, correct? Yes. Okay. Because I've been telling Way for so often that it's like, man, these Friday night shows end so early. I want to. Oh. I could go longer. I could stay up later. Do you think they would have considered 
9 to 11 going head to head? Probably not, right? SmackDown's too big of a... I, I, I would not do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's, it's worth kind of interrupting your, your start time for one week. Um, right. To, for, for what? Um, what, what mm-hmm. are you doing? It's a, it's a one week switch. That's just going to knock be- to, to me. That would actually potentially harm rampage that you're going to, you know, have an audience that's either watching SmackDown or they're going to forget about the start time for one week. It's, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would just leave it the, the 10 till midnight and, and yeah. try to put on the best show you can to, cause you really are trying to build up rampage and that show is, you know, a building block to try and get that, that momentum going for that show. Alex Marvez is with Luigi Primo. The uh, the pizza making pro wrestler who was just the uh, the star of the internet a few weeks ago, um, and he just got nailed by Ethan Page and taken out. This led to Danhausen appearing and Ethan Page calling him the jester of AEW, and he's going to start his road to the All Atlantic title. And step one is beating Danhausen on Rampage this Friday. Yeah, I don't know if they give this guy like a match on Dark or something like that. They but should. Like, yeah, why not? At this point, like everybody can get. A spot on dark, sure. Um, Did you have you watched this guy? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He, he he's I would say like the most memeable, like the most the wrestler that I I see like only being a meme of like any wrestler who's ever become a meme. If you know what I mean, like I don't see this thing transitioning at all into any sort of long term like I don't know sustained um, wrestling uh, role. On, on a major brand, but like for a one week meme in a GIF, like I think he's kind of perfect for it. So, uh, but I don't sure give, give him a dark match. Why not? Darby Allen is at Nitro Circus, flipping off his bike, nearly dying. And Matt Hardy reacts by saying that he is, uh, he was extreme once and he's scratching and clawing his way back up. And he makes a challenge for Rampage with Darby and also mentioned Darby's match with Jeff Hardy, which I don't know if you're, you're building up a match between Darby and one of the Hardy bro, Hardy boys. And we're going to show this death defying match from a few months ago to kind of uh, elevate expectations. I do not want to see Matt Hardy doing any of this uh, with, with Darby Allen. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you're going to get the near the level of it. And I think anybody who's been see, watching like Matt Hardy lately knows not to necessarily expect it. Um, we're probably going to get at least one big stunt, though. You know, Matt's yeah. going to take some sort of crazy bump. I'm sure it's he. He's been sort of out of the spotlight for a while. So, yeah. What about this tricycle thing that this d- dude did at this Nitro Circus? I, I didn't shit. know what was going on. I didn't know who is attending <laughs> these to watch this for hours on end, but I'm sure there is a rabid community, uh, members of which I'll, I'll hear from tomorrow. This looked nuts. <laughs> the, the, the tricycle uh, giant ramp um, community? Sure, yeah. He, it's just like, it's amazing to me like what they let this guy get away with like doing on weekends. Do you and, know all the restrictions like Donald Cerrone had? Like they they did yeah. not want this guy like jet skiing and stuff on his on his free time. F- forget like like regular stick and ball sports and the restrictions that they have of what mm-hmm. they can do. And here it's like Darby Allen can jump off bridges and hey, I'm I'm leaping out of a plane tomorrow. Cool. We'll see you at TV. I imagine this guy will probably do it anyway. And they just decided to put some cameras on it and use it use it for TV because I mean it was it was very captivating stuff you know seeing what this guy would you go to one did. of these 
Would I go to one specifically to see a guy ride down a giant ramp on a tricycle to do a backflip? I'm sure there's a variety of events that you could take in beyond just the the tricycle of doom. I would go to one of those instead of, I don't know, going fishing. Sure. To each his own. Powerhouse Hobbs destroyed Albany's own Matt DiMartino with a spine buster in 28 seconds. He got on the microphone. They're chanting, we want Ricky. And he recapped his win beating Ricky in four and a half minutes, but that chapter is closed. It's time for a new one. And with that, Ricky starts walks down the steps in the crowd. The audience goes wild and he bolts past security, attacking Hobbs and sending him to the floor after nailing him with the microphone. So it looks like the, the chapter just got a epilogue. That's uh, very good. Yeah. Uh, false, false finish in the book. Um, why did he come through the crowd? not banned i mean maybe he had to use the bathroom and it was the the closest one um yeah well, you don't want to get some popcorn you don't want popcorn backstage hmm maybe maybe okay. catering was empty you want to get something to eat first before a segment i do i guess like i just recognize that like usually when people enter the crowd unless i guess you're john moxley um they come through because they're they're trying to you know navigate through i don't know some sort of restriction that doesn't allow them to enter the back but here ricky starks i guess maybe just wanted the attention that could be his reasoning he will explain next week i yeah. came out of there for the pop <laughs> i think hobbs is standing very good on the microphone um the feuds i mean this has certainly been a feud that i think has been lost in all of the controversy outside of you know this like no one seems to really be talking about this coming out of all out. I, I, I'm really curious what the the original plans were for for Hobbs to win in such dominant fashion. And like I don't have any knowledge of this, but to me it would have been a cool story if Hobbs were was the first guy to challenge Punk at Grand Slam because that's the match they did at Grand Slam last year. And hmm. it's almost like this story of where Hobbs has come a year later and you give him such a definitive win over Starks. It just seemed to me if. If you're just going to a rematch, like why beat Stark so emphatically at All Out? If it's to build him, like you're setting him up for a TV match where he's challenging for the title, I I understand winning in in such a dominant way, but I'm sure well, there's there was a huge butterfly effect of all of these plans that got thrown out the window if Tony had the next weeks, if not months, kind of slotted of where where he was going. I thought they would make a bigger deal of the neck injury that. Um, to me, like seemed to be Starks. Starks is out uh, of, of the match, um, but it just—they've been kind of playing it up as like a pretty legitimate loss for Starks. And I was expecting maybe a bit more. I mean, where you're going to get that fired up promo, I'm sure from Starks next week. But like to suffer a loss that way in such quick fashion, I think I needed. I've been looking for like a bit more of an explanation and justification for why that happened and why the result will be different next time. And kind of collides with the Jungle Boy story. Like he's going through a similar thing, although he doesn't have the, the opponent to get the revenge on. The Lucha Brothers and Pac do a quick promo. And this was announced like 15 minutes before the show that Swerve in Our Glory is defending the tag titles against the Lucha Brothers. So uh, quite the match that they had here. Um, we, we saw things like pick up as uh, Penta hit Maiden Penta on Swerve. And then Keith Lee... That- are they actually like? Is that, that just that's Excalibur? what they called it tonight? They had always called it Made in Japan. Tonight it was called Made in Penta, which is not. What does that even a, mean? Penta's not a place. I've never been there. I've never. My passport <laughs> doesn't get me to Penta, but he's made inside his brain. So I guess yes. it's technically right. Yes, uh, but the the way the 
pin was broken up. Keith Lee took Phoenix from the floor and threw him, lawn darted him to break up the pinfall. And that might have been the most unique save we've seen this year. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, Keith Lee, uh, first of all, th- these four, like <laughs> Penta and Keith Lee were just, these two were made for one another with the size discrepancy and, and how they, they utilized one, one another's bodies. Uh, Lee caught Phoenix off a springboard and breaks him over his knee. The swerve stomp off of Lee's shoulder is stopped uh, with Penta using uh, leg kicks. So we see a double springboard Spanish fly delivered to swerve. And then Penta comes up and hits the destroyer onto Keith Lee. This audience lost its mind from this moment on. It leads to a near fall on Keith Lee, and then Swerve sends Phoenix off the top uh, when he's going for the double foot stomp, and Keith Lee avoids the package pile driver, turning it into the Big Bang catastrophe, and the champions retained in 8 minutes and 14 seconds. I, I thought this was a really entertaining uh, t- TV match. Really, really hot match. Yeah. I mean, the Lucha Brothers, every time they're out there, I think, you know, impresses, um, and steal, steal the show in some way. And for Lee and Swerve, this is another, you know, show, show stealing match that, that they're a part of now. Did they have quite the consistency rate when, when it comes to these matches? Like they are a common denominator in a lot of these different tag matches. And mm-hmm. I, I think like they, they are sort of the unsung other half of that match at all out like so much of the attention was on the acclaim but like these two like i'm really looking forward to this match now next i hate that they're unsung because i mean yeah like i'd argue they were a bigger part of the reason why that match was so great from a technical standpoint well i would ask swerve like he listens to all the podcasts like am i am i wrong like what has the praise been like for for these two that is plenty of heel motivation as as he was using in that press conference absolutely and then he got overshadowed at the press conference poor guy you know cut a hell of a promo on the media at the press conference and just you know the other promo on the media i think um took over unfortunately and remember those those guys had to follow the drama oh, uh, of goodness earlier. like yeah, like imagine having to go out after you've just like b- borne witness to that yeah. catastrophe for half an hour, and now you yeah. have to come out. And, and I mean, the, the guys that followed Punk, like total pros. When when you look at the, the it was the a very good hour or so that you had guys coming out there like Jericho and Swerve Tony and, Storm. Tony Storm, I thought had a very strong appearance yep. there, also on the pro, uh, thing. Anyway, you know, uh, the, the the Arthur Ashe will riot. If the acclaim don't win, the internet will ride. If the acclaim don't win next week, however, I I hope that there's you know something keeping you know sort of in our glory relevant because I think they're they're just starting to pick up momentum. As that, a that's team. the thing, like acclaim, they're going to be super over. But man, the this team is just in its groove right now. If you're asking me timing wise, is it their time to lose the titles? It is not. Um, but just but, given given the the setting. You oh, know, I, I, I don't think lost. I don't think you can do this in such a way where they keep the titles next week. I think you have to pull the trigger on that next week. Both teams need it, you know. Uh, quite frankly, I would argue the acclaim certainly need it more. And given the venue, you you give it to the acclaim next week, but then you build to a third match. You know, there, this is a trilogy that I think can have a plenty of interest. Maybe one you even save for the next pay per view. Where do you put that match on the card next week? Like you, you assume you're ending with Moxley and Danielson, but what, mm-hmm. does this start the show? Is it in the middle of the show? Ooh. could it be a good start hmm um because i think I they're think gonna get another like 20 minutes or so like they did at the pay-per-view yeah 
it's it's such a feel good moment. It will be such a feel good moment for the acclaim to win that I, I I think you can make the argument that this can close and you start off with you know Brian versus Mox instead. But Brian versus Mox is such a bigger match. I can't see know? them not ending with with that title match. But you know, starting right, off the, the show like You're that's right. gonna be a red hot crowd, and then Max Caster comes out to do his rap. Like that's a really hot start to the show. Um, I forget that it's actually for the world championship. So you're probably right. That probably yeah. ends it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nine o'clock is, is probably a re- really great spot for it as well. Uh, the acclaimed come out after the tag match, and th- this is more of just a straight promo from Max rather than a rap. But Warren swerve about ever interrupting his rap again, or he'll beat his ass. Calls them nut huggers, and you can roll Keith Lee's ass to New York. They are the uncrowned champions, and then uh, Bowen's scissors, Billy. The fact that he came out and didn't rap, I. I have to imagine it being somewhat intentional. Like it's been two weeks now that they've held off on the caster rap. This time it wasn't because he was interrupted, but because he, he didn't um, it makes me wonder if they're trying to save him up for like, you know, like get the audience really wanting it so that they could do it next week and have everybody go crazy. But um, yeah, the, the time will come that they will probably want to get him away from that much like, they did with John Cena, like there but was it's t- what's getting him over. But you're right; like we have to be able to hear him, be able to cut an actual promo as well. And, sure. and there was tons of resistance, like with Cena, of like this mm-hmm. is like this is what got him over. That was the right call. It was the right call, and they probably did it at the right time. It was j- just as he was getting ready to win the title, they they dropped the the wrapping, and in the long run, that was you know the, the wrapping would would have pigeonholed him in the, in the long run, but. You're right. I, I don't think now is that time, but at some point they probably will get there. Alex Marvez is with Death Triangle, and Pac takes exception to Marvez referring to a bump in the road with uh, the Lucha Brothers losing tonight. And Pac cuts a promo on Alex Marvez. I was getting ready for Marvez to take on Pac on Rampage, but instead, uh, Pac gets knocked out by an orange punch by Orange Cassidy and. He says not for long in regards to Pac being a double champion. So uh, that is going to happen at uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium next Wednesday, a rematch of that great revolution match from 2020 between these two, which was a hell of a pay-per-view match. Feels like Orange Cassidy is like kind of just in that role where like don't have a story, don't have much time to build. Um, here's Orange Cassidy right We now. can build you up on short notice to lose. And that seems Pretty to be much. what he does because I, I don't see him winning this. I don't see him winning either. I mean, but he, you know, Orange Cassidy, uh, for better or worse, is at a point where he's kind of he'll be over no matter what. Um, he's a guy who could kind of afford constant losses, yet the audiences will still treat him as like a I don't know a, an attraction every time he he appears. Um, so I hope it's a great match. I know it will be a great match actually, but uh, yeah, I don't see Cassidy leaving this one with the title. So they did the injury angle on Dark uh, on on Dark this week with Hikaru Shida, who is replaced by Athena in the tag match, and they also explain how Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker have not spoken since All Out, and they showed the footage of Baker trying to apologize backstage at All Out. So this was the forgotten backstage incident at All Out that has resulted in two parties not communicating with one another since. Yeah, um, no investigation needed. Yeah, this one. Tony Storm and Athena against Baker and Serena Deeb. Uh, Athena, I, I always get a kick out of uh, Athena's wings now when when she comes out with this this thing. You can tell she's got like a little button that controls like the 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 the, the movement of the wings. 
Who's in charge of getting these wings from city to city? I would imagine she is. I imagine she's they she fits it in her bag. Is is this compact enough for a bag? Like this seems like this one looked like it could be folded up. I imagine there's a level of assembly that that's required for every every time. Uh, It it started off with uh, (laughs) a. It started off with Storm and Deeb, some good stuff at, at the beginning. Um, so Tony Storm eventually hits Britt Baker. She kicks off of Deeb and hits a DDT to Baker on the floor, which looked looked really impressive. And Baker just gets right back up. She's into the ring, ducks a clothesline, and hits a sling blade, like seamlessly from this uh, this death-defying DDT she just took. Athena hits a twisting cross body and lands in an arm bar from Deeb, tries to slam her way out, but Deeb rolls out and then gets hit with a double knees. And we see Baker super kick <clears throat> Athena. And then there's a jackknife cover on Storm, saved by a senton. And then Rebel gets onto the apron, distracting referee Paul Turner. Britt Baker has a chair and Deeb runs Tony Storm into the chair and then pins Tony Storm. Yeah, so the champion interim champion taking the fall and this would have a purpose later with the announcement of a title match for next week i guess yeah just to justify everybody's championship um contenderships how how did athena get a title shot out of this she made the pin pinfall not athena she was the partner oh shit you're right you're right how did athena get the title pin tony storm so you know baker and Hmm. deep won um Tony Storm is the champion. Athena just kind of lucked into Hikaru Shida got hurt and I got yeah. into this match. Well, she just happened to be in the vicinity and we're giving title shots away anyway. So why not? Uh, I guess she's got cool wings. That's how that's all the justification she needs. Right. OK, done. I thought the match was excellent. You know, I thought all four talents, especially Athena and Deep, who I don't think are typically in this sort of like spotlight for the world title mix. I, I felt those two were arguably outworking Britain Tony here. You know, but the the all four of them and the combination of all four of them, I thought were really strong. So I'm actually quite looking forward to next week. Yeah, I, I like the match. I, I thought these, these are four of your your upper echelon women. Mm-hmm. I, I like the the Storm Deeb interactions in this. Uh, Athena looked good as well. So th- this, you know, it will have uh, this should be a very good four way next week. Athena just attacked the heels afterwards, but then Baker caught her with a super kick and a stomp, and they get the chair when Jamie Hader runs down, rips the chair away from Britt Baker. But then attacks Tony Storm with the chair. And you think you're just doing like the the misdirection and now she's back reunited with Baker. But she attacks Tony, but she is not forgiving Britt Baker, who continues to state that she apologized. But Hater leaves on her own, warning Britt Baker. So they are keeping those two at odds. But there was some thawing of the ice because there was communication, even if it was yelling. So she came out and attacked Tony Storm why because she's obligated to as a friend of of wait as a like is she contracted to like attack baker's enemies what was her justification for coming on and attacking storm maybe she thought there was a chance she could get athena's spot in the four-way and she uh, had to do something so i'm right. going to attack the champion you know what actually would have maybe even made more sense for her to get the title shot than athena in that instance okay i understand like um relationships are complicated breakups are complicated sometimes you're friends sometimes you're not um and it doesn't it's not you know in real life black and white however i feel like in professional wrestling things need to be a bit more black and white to just you know especially when not you're not using words and strictly using action to like convey where you are in your relationships this i think took the edge off of you know whatever 
Hader and, and Baker had coming. I thought you, if you didn't like commentary, didn't necessarily like convey, I think the nuance that well and the action itself would have just kind of left you somewhat confused. And I imagine people watching live would have been hella confused. Why? She came out attacking like you got you got the sense that, oh, OK, this was another swerve and, you know, she's back with Baker. But then she leaves not liking Baker. So where exactly are we? And was this, you know, beneficial to the to the story? So I'm trying to imagine like if the if this were a scenario where I had a chance to win a jujitsu tournament and you ended up like yanking me off of the mat and then you steal the submission and you win and i'm pretty <laughs> yes, upset in the multi-man jujitsu tournament exactly yes. so i don't talk to you for a week and a half so i show up at the next jujitsu tournament okay mm-hmm. and you're taking on your enemy and yeah, i rival. run down and i've and i've got a chair you've got the chair i'm gonna take the chair away and i'm still pissed at you but i know he's your enemy so i waffle your enemy but i'm still telling you i'm not i'm not forgiving you yet but I'm still team way deep down. Got it. But okay. you've got some work to do way because this could be you next time. So out of loyalty, you help me. I mean, that to me is like, that's an olive branch right there. Isn't it? Like you're showing me that you're still, I, you're I'm, still I'm revealing to you after not talking to you for a week and a half where you're, you're wondering, man, am I ever going to hear from this guy again? Me yeah. showing up and doing this act. I'm telling you there's a chance, but okay. it's on you to fix this problem that you created by me attacking your opponent when I had the opening to do it to you. Well then sure. The, to me, like that feels like, you know, the, 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 the ice has thawed at that point and, and sort of the grudge and, and the wounds have started to mend in a but big it's still way. Cold. It's still cold. Okay. But you were on track with hater and Baker to building towards, I think what the audience wants to see. And that's a full face turn for, for, for Jamie, Jamie hater. Um, and, and a feud between the two. This cool things right off. I don't want to see, you know, two people who deep down really like each other and have proven that, you know, one person proving their loyalty to another, possibly getting into a bit of a war. I I want to see them get into a heated, you know, hateful battle where they can't forgive each other. All jokes aside, I think they're just trying to stretch it out so that when Jamie Hayter finally makes that declarative declarative statement and attacks Burt Baker, it's a bit like the audience on wants second. it. Drag this out like they, they they're stretching this this thing longer than the, the Luigi Primo's like pizza dough, buddy. Like we we've 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 stretched this thing out long enough. Like it's been months since they initially teased this thing. They just kind of hot back on. I, I think they're past, but, the but point not of at this level. Like the, like the pay per view was the the escalation that we are we are not doing subtle things. We are actively going towards this direction. This is this I would say, but then pulling back and then like making them friends again is is to me subtle. Like, or at least like, you know, take, taking the, taking us back to the point where we were, I don't know, several months ago, like I'm ready for the turn. I think everybody's ready for the turn. So I, I just didn't think this, this week was that helpful for it. The big lineup next, uh, this Friday for rampage, Samoa Joe, Josh Woods for the ROH TV title, Matt Hardy and Darby Allen, Ethan page against Dan Housen and the return of Willow Nightingale against Penelope Ford. Wednesday's Grand Slam next week. Well, we're, we're going to have Moxley and Danielson. Swerve in our glory against the acclaimed for the tag titles. Tony Storm, Serena Deeb, Athena, and Britt Baker for the interim women's title. And Pack against Orange Cassidy for the All-Atlantic title. And then next Friday for Rampage, Hook and Action Bronson against Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. A I lot that a, they had to promote here. It's a strong 
hook, no pun intended, for for Rampage to see to see that team. Yeah, that's it's going to be a long night, um, but there should be some very good wrestling on it. As was the case for the main event, the semifinal, the other semifinal match, Jericho and Brian Danielson, a rematch from All Out. Very aggressive start by Danielson with chops, strikes, drop kicks. They show Daniel Garcia watching in the back, and Danielson lands a knee coming off the apron. And these two, they just got into these chop battles. And that's where this would always go back to. Jericho's whole pectoral region by the end of this was purple and Danielson I mean a gust of wind and it's reddening Uh, so you can imagine what these chops were were doing to him here as well with with his chest as well Uh, we saw a top rope Frankensteiner from from Jericho then Danielson ducked a Judas effect and got into cattle mutilation they go back to the chops and we see Jericho cut him off with a code breaker and Danielson responds with a busaiku knee both men go down the whole crowd crowd is applauding them and then we see Danielson suplexed over the top to the floor and he grabs his ankle and he's in pain and Taz gets serious and he notes he's not wearing a wrestling boot he's wearing a wrestling shoe he might have done further damage but the best part was you know Regal you you know what I'm talking about Regal and Regal yes yeah. yes <laughs> this is this could be terrible it's it, no it's wonderful I loved it. I love when even like, yeah, none of us are, have been in this situation. Neither of us are wrestlers, but like you have two wrestlers who can confirm one, one person bringing it up and the other person confirming, yes, what this person is saying is true. This is where Excalibur goes. I, I understand the severity. I know it too. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. No, um, honestly, like Taz should be in this role. He, he is, you know, the best guy. Yes. Yeah. So, the final stretch of this match is Danielson doing just this awesome job of selling his ankle. Jericho wraps it around the post. He does the figure four around the post, and they did it in the safest fashion possible. Um, this this was not a case of the uh, you know the one you know smashing his head on the floor. Uh, they he chop blocks the ankle. Danielson is just trying to hobble on one leg. At one point, he just leaps towards Jericho, and his leg just gives out, and he falls into position for the walls of Jericho. Uh, there's a single leg on the injured ankle. Spinning toe hold is being utilized by Jericho, and then goes for a figure four. They trade strikes, and then Jericho is caught with his legs, and the counter is made by Danielson, and he turns him for the label lock. And there's some hand fighting. He gets the full grip, and when Jericho taps, this place went nuts. 19 minutes and 24 seconds. Um, I th- I thought this was better than the pay per view match. I-, I thought these two just had a terrific, terrific uh, main main event and and a hot crowd as well. Like they went nuts for this finish with the tap. Agreed, agreed on uh, everything you said. And um, I think you know this was like the type of reaction maybe you would have expected them to have on the pay per view if they had their match a bit earlier on in the show. Um, I also feel like it was just like a great display of like two guys with incredible veteran instincts. The flashiest thing you got to see here was what? Like Hurricane from Jericho, perhaps, you know, they didn't make use of like big flashy moves. Everything that they've done in this match is things are, are moves that you've seen them do in every single match, but it's the placement to those spots and the build up to, to those moments and everything in between that I think made everything feel so maximized. Um, between the chop battles to like Brian's excellent selling of the knee, even like attempting a busaiku knee with with an injured leg, um, 
it did a great job of like, you know, setting him up as a wonderful underdog and getting that big win. It, it, I, I believe like, didn't they largely say like there's somebody, I heard some, some somewhere that like they were call they called most of their, their match in, in the ring at um, all out. Like I, I feel like it might've been Jericho who, who said that at the press conference. Um, Please correct me if I'm wrong, everybody. But it, you know, it, it makes be me surprising. Makes me wonder if, like, it was very much the same here, and you know, they they improvised. Um, I think a wonderful match. You know, yeah, I, I just think this did a, a great job of setting up your finals. Um, you had Moxley come out at the end, and he just gets into the ring, and him and Danielson shake hands. Regal is panicking about what this means now for the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, but man, excellent match. Just Jericho is having such a terrific year. It's um. You know, he has he has really put together a very, very strong 2022. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, one of the better Dynamite matches um, in, in quite some time. And there's been some high quality, but I, I really, really enjoyed this main event. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, good, good in-ring edition of Dynamite. And um, I think they've done a good job under the circumstances with this whole title situation, you know. And quickly booking a little bit of a tournament, giving you like hot matches pretty much every single um, time that that you've had one of these, and setting up a wonderful like big event final in Mox versus Brian. Yeah, and this this week, like unlike last week where you had all the the curiosity about the the, the drama and everything, mm-hmm. this is going to be a better indication of what a dynamite where you know you're not getting punk you know you're not getting the bucks or omega and there's not going to be any addressing of that like what does this version of aew draw for for a more normal episode of of dynamite uh, it'll be very interesting to see this number and what they generate next week as, as well for arthur ash stadium yeah totally um I, i'll say you know like i think not having punk and, and omega in the bucks like i didn't necessarily miss them on the show you know your your roster is deep enough that you you have a really hot edition of dynamite even without them um and maybe but maybe it's because like i knew not to expect them you know so let's do a few pieces of feedback before we sign off uh, uh let's go to some super chats, chats. yeah right. first first we'll get to hanzi who sends 279 thank you hanzi for the support he says can the chip be cashed in like a money in the bank it hasn't been yet, but I mean, they can change that rule anytime they want, right? Yeah, yeah. In the in the past, it's always just been set up as as a match. But um, yeah, nobody knew you could do that with the money in the bank until you know the first person did it. So um, they could just as well do it with this. Yeah. We got a Matt Hahn who uh, sends five dollars. Thank you for the support, Matt. He says, "I think the better story would have been Jamie winning the interim title, and that causes the split between Jamie and Britt." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it would have done that story better. But I think you can also make the argument that like Jamie Hader might not be at a, you know, um, developed enough level compared to a Tony Storm, for instance. Um, I think she's she's on her way, but she's still just starting to maybe find that footing uh, promo wise. I think she's less proven than maybe a Tony Storm is. So I think Tony Storm was the right decision, but. And, and let's know. not forget that that was not the original match for All Out, that they probably had like their plans mapped out for Tony Storm and getting the title on her, even the interim mm-hmm. version, like it at least keeps you on track for, for what you had planned. And this Jamie Britt story, like to me, it doesn't necessitate that the title is attached to it. You can, you can still serve both, um, both ideas. Mm-hmm. Okay. We go over to AJ. 
Uh, he starts us off at forum.postwrestling.com. I have to thank you both for opening up that episode of talk. It was really nice to hear two dudes talk about becoming parents and dealing with newborns. I have an almost three-year-old girl, although it's definitely getting better. There's a lot of dad-focused content similar to what you two shared. My my daughter was born on, on a Wednesday in November 2019. That night, we watched Dynamite as a family in the hospital. So way your SmackDown story brought back beautiful memories. Dynamite was great. You two are better. AJ, you can write in every week if you'd like. And he hopes that Way's wife is recovering well. Well, thank you, AJ. Thank you so much, AJ. It means a lot to hear that, um, your ability to, I guess, relate. I mean, again, it, it, it feels like it is, um, the most sort of like common thing in the world to experience because everybody has, uh, who has the child has gone through it. But to you, it just, it feels so incredibly like unique. But it's it's cool to be able to like bond with with other people who have gone through it. So thank you. We got a Mark who says an average episode for the most part. I really enjoyed the Danielson Jericho match above all else, much better than their all out encounter. Personally, hoping that they'll pull the trigger on giving Brian the big win at New York City next week. Other than that, I also enjoyed the tag championship match. Definitely like seeing more sort of in lead matches on TV. And honestly, I'm not sure what the outcome should be for them versus the acclaimed. Have a good night. Absolutely love the episode of Talk. Keep up the excellent work. What are you I, seeing? Do you have any predictions for uh, next week? Uh, for the tag matches? title match? Yeah, I, I think like you could, you could make arguments, but I, I think that certainly it's you know you, you go with the big the big moment for the acclaimed. I just don't know if you make that match for that setting if not to, with that purpose in mind. So after hearing the like amount of outrage at the people, you know, uh, at, at at the uh, people who who were upset that they didn't call an audible and, you know, make the acclaimed champions at all out, I yeah, I think this time they will book them to win in their hometown. Uh same with Brian, I I think I think he wins it this time. All right, let's go on to uh, Cody for, from Maine. Uh, his biggest takeaway was yet another great Chris Jericho performance. He faced some criticism throughout the year, peaking with the win over Eddie Kingston in the barbed wire match. But ever since, he has been working his ass off every week. I think 2022 will stand out as one of the best years of his career by the end of it. Thanks, as always, for the shows. Really enjoyed talk this week as well. Thank you, Cody. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, he's been great. You know, would you even go as far as to say like has he had a better year in AEW than this year oh just just Jericho himself oh this has been his best year in AEW Mm -hmm. I I I feel pretty confident in stating that I I think honestly this is one of his better years when 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 you're looking at it I mean in in totality of matches like you're you're gonna find other years but of like high profile big matches that have delivered from pay-per-views to dynamites um, I think I think he's had better feuds, better programs. You know, like the Kingston one. I think at this point has has felt pretty like it, you know, people are c- kind of talk about it in retrospect as maybe haven't gone too long. Um, like he's had more prominent programs, obviously, but in ring you can certainly make that argument. Yeah, Eddie Kingston's an interesting one because you know for the longest time we assumed he'd have something major for Arthur Ashe Stadium, and hmm. as of now, nothing announced for next week. Right. He could also be like one of those big surprise pops. You know, somebody comes out with an open challenge. Eddie Kingston comes out and place will still go nuts. But you're right. Like leading up to this year, I think maybe some of us were wondering if he was going to get some sort of title challenge or something more significant. But no, maybe Tomohiro Ishii will come back and we'll just announce that, you know, a few days ahead. 
Well, there's there's always options on the table uh, for surprises. But there you go. That is going to wrap up Rewind to Dynamite. Uh, thanks to everyone for uh, checking out this show, for checking out Talk this week, and for anyone checking out every show. We appreciate all of the uh, the, the feedback that uh, that you provide us. Good, good and bad. We we enjoy the bad too. That is correct. Yeah, uh, people in chat room uh, reminding me that he had COVID recently. So, do you think he'll even be on the show? Yeah, that's right. Because he missed the strong tapings last weekend. So. I, I I don't think that would necessarily affect him for for a show next week. Um, mm. I, I I would be surprised if if that was the case. So okay. anyway, that will wrap up the show. Thanks to everybody for joining us, and we'll speak with you on Friday night, right after Rampage.